step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. About a week ago, I was just digging around on the internet, looking for cool stuff to talk about on the show. And I found an article over at Westward.com the rise and fall of a Bitcoin mining scheme that was too big to fail. And, quote, too big to fail. And as I read through this story, it just has so many aspects of modern culture and economics and, and the Wolf of Wall Street almost kind of feel about it and just so much wacky stuff that almost seems like if someone made a movie of it, you would say that seems like too much of a caricature of of the world we live in today to be real, and yet it is real, and I just find the story fascinating. So join us to, joining us to talk about this really interesting article that he wrote, Alan Prendergast, who is an award-winning journalist and author. He contributes, obviously, to Westward. He's also a visiting instructor at Colorado College, the Harvard of the Rockies. So, Alan, good morning. Thanks so much for being with us. Appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me, Ross. How did you even find this story? And maybe you can start into a little bit by telling us about who is Joby Weeks. <laughs> well, Joby is a is a main reason, I think, that I did get interested in this story, because he's one of these larger-than-life characters that uh, you just get really intrigued by. Uh, there was some brief publicity when this whole scheme first collapsed. This was back in December. The Justice Department issued indictments against these guys, and, and, and we're saying that investors basically lost somewhere around $720 million. And you know, on the surface, that's a pretty staggering thing. Uh, I got more interested when I found out that two of the major promoters of this were guys in Colorado in their 30s who had kind of strange backgrounds. And, of course, Bitcoin itself, I mean, it's, uh, there's, there's a lot of interesting stuff happening in the cryptocurrency markets, but, but there's also a lot of Ponzi-type scams. Mm -hmm. And this one is a particularly strange one that you, you just are amazed by the audacity of it and by how many people fell for it. Um, Let me ask you one quick question. I don't understand what the scheme was, but I was really interested in these personalities, these, these guys that were at the top of this thing, and yeah. basically saying yeah. this is transparent, it's too big to fail, invest with us, you're going to be happy. You know, and and it just they were selling this whole lifestyle, really, about the idea that if you, if you do this, you can be rich like us and travel the world and do all these glamorous things. All right. So one, one quick question before you go further into the, the details of all this. Do you believe, after having done the research that you did, that the story you're about to tell us regarding BitClub Network, was it always intended to be a Ponzi scheme? Or was it something that the people who started it had legitimate even if somewhat self-serving intentions at the beginning because i i've seen stuff i i in fact was invested in a fund that was 
fine to start and a couple things went bad and the guy who was running it kind of panicked a little bit and did uh-huh. some things wrong and it and it turned into a little bit made off like I only lost about half my money instead of all but it it didn't start off with the guy intending to scam people yeah. but other things it, it, do so what yeah, which, which was this this one I think the the initial setup was pretty fraudulent and it became more legitimate as it went along wow. which is a little unusual and the way the reason I say that the the documents that the Justice Department has sort of unearthed with this shows some very early correspondence. I mean, direct messaging, internet chats between two of the founders about how they they're going to bump up the the earnings and basically misrepresent the uh, the the payoffs that were coming out of this in order to get it started. And there, there's all sorts of really blatant stuff, like it has to look real. Mm. You know? mm. uh, um, and then later, it's very clear that they are buying the mining equipment that they said they would buy, or at least some of it, and they actually are doing some mining because that's something you can verify independently on these, on these uh, uh, Bitcoin sites. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a little hard to say whether, as with any scam like this, there may be people who were legitimately believed in it at different levels of it, and there may be people in the background who are skimming a lot of money off of it and not telling anybody or trying not to tell anybody. So there are different levels of involvement and, and perhaps culpability. Wow. Now, I, I think the vast majority of people who are listening to the show know what Bitcoin is. But in, in case people don't, maybe give just a very short definition of Bitcoin and then maybe give a slightly less short definition of mining. Yeah, the mining is the more complicated part. Bitcoin's been around now for over 10 years. It's basically a digital currency. It's, it's, a, it's a way of doing business or making transactions that doesn't involve a currency that is uh, what we would call a fiat currency, a currency bank backed by a government, backed by any particular resource. It's, it's, it's a, you know, there aren't any actual physical coins in Bitcoin. It's basically a digital currency that you you trade with um and its value changes all the time based on what people who are using it value it at um so that's bitcoin i mean it's basically just another way of doing electronic transactions without having banks involved now mining um, now mining is the is the more complicated part um <clears throat> The Bitcoin network is the reason that this is supposed to be such a verifiable and unhackable and reliable currency has to do with something called the blockchain. When I think of the blockchain as like a ledger, it, 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 every transaction is recorded, every, every, everything that goes on can be verified, and, and so you get these strings of numbers, really kind of a cryptographic key to the whole thing that goes with every Bitcoin transaction. Um, in order to create more Bitcoin, and there's a finite amount of Bitcoin that can be mined, so to speak, this is, this is being done on computers. It's, it's, a, it's doing a series of very heavy-duty computations, billions and trillions of transactions a second, just trying to work out these numbers to carve out more of the blockchain. And the miners get paid in Bitcoin once they complete another block. So that's one way to make money is to try to you know, extend the network further and get paid in Bitcoin. Um, this particular scam involved not actually doing the mining, but investing in shares in a mining operation. The, the company would do the mining. You would send them money. They were going to purchase mining equipment with it, all this very specialized computer hardware. Mm-hmm. And then, lo and behold, 
you're going to have bitcoins flowing into your account. So this guy, Joby Weeks, told an audience, and I'm reading this from your article, we're basically selling machines that print money. Right. Well, that's pretty it's tempting. Very, it's a, you know, that's a very <laughs> powerful kind of image. That, yeah. Uh, you know, he, called, he called Bitcoin you know, the golden egg, and why not get the golden goose that lays the golden egg? Mm-hmm. That, that was mining. Um, the problem there is you're probably almost always better off just investing in Bitcoin than trying to get into the mining. Mining is very expensive. The electricity costs alone, with the kind of computers, the, the endless numbers of servers and things that you have to have working together to, to mine, is enormous. And a lot of the companies are doing it in data centers in places like Iceland because the electricity costs are lower, and it really makes a substantial difference. About hmm. a third of your revenue disappears just in the electric bill. Wow. Um, so, you know, you're almost everybody I talked to in the business that, that I was doing this. They said, "Oh, you know, mining is mining can work if you have enough machines and enough uh, a pool of miners working at this day and night to know what they're doing." But you really, in almost every instance, you're better off just investing in the coin. And of course, the coin, as we know, is is a is a <laughs> is a very volatile investment. Right. Um, this started out not as an investment, as a way of doing transactions. I didn't have this libertarian idea behind it that you don't need the banks and the government in the middle of all your financial affairs. Um, and, and it became a, a, a speculative investment, and people have been burned by it. Some people have made a lot of money at it. But you have to, you know, your timing has to be absolutely correct. When Okay, so first of all, how, how many people did Joby Weeks and his partners get to give him, give them money as part of this BitClub network? You know, the, the exact numbers are a little vague, but I, I have seen figures that are around 600,000 people oh my invested. Gosh. Now, now the investment can be very low. The threshold is very low. I mean, mm-hmm. the average investment probably was around $1,000. It, it was, um, you know, pay a $100 membership fee, pay $500 for a share, and and then you would be getting a residual out of these out of this mining operation. Wow! Um, and you could pay a thousand dollars, two thousand dollars. There are online some evidence that some people put in tens of thousands of dollars or their pension or something like that. But I would say the average investment was probably around a thousand dollars, and there were you know well over half a half a million people that that invested in it. When when you think about this kind of story, and you think about the people who put money into this. Do you feel sorry for them? Uh, I mean, look, fraud is fraud, and you feel bad for people who are defrauded. On the other hand, 600,000 people chasing something they probably knew nothing about, probably didn't do very much due diligence on, chasing the the financial fad of the day, part, part of me doesn't feel that bad for them. Well, I see what you're saying. Um, I think some of them, yeah, I think there are clearly people who are in over their head. And um, Bitcoin is a bit mysterious, and you can, you can really set up a, quite a smokescreen with the lingo and the allure of Bitcoin. Um, and a lot of these people obviously did not investigate further. I mean, it's, it's incredible to me that people can make investments without, you know, doing at least a little bit of basic checking. Uh, but at the same time, I, you know, this has happened over and over again. Um, in the dot-com period, there were a lot of weird scams because people didn't understand the Internet that well mm-hmm. when the dot-com collapsed. And I have to think, you know, yeah, the, uh, the people who invested have some responsibility here, but 
but when you see how unscrupulous some of this stuff was, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty brazen. And, and they, were, they were clearly lying to people about what was going on. And, and there was a bit of the, the whole the classic Ponzi maneuver of paying early investors um, more than they should have just so that they would get out the word that, hey, this really works. Some people did come away with money out of all this, hmm. um, but but that's sort of like seeding the mind, so to speak, you know, salting the mind. Right. You yeah. talk about one of the defendants, um, Gush, Gutchie? I'm not sure you yeah, pronounce Matthew it. Matthew Getch, yeah. Getch, uh, that he bought an island in Belize for $6.4 million as his own plane, and along with Joby Weeks tried to get citizenship in St. Kitts, which I assume has no extradition treaty. Or, or they does. do. Actually, your article but, but says actually, they do, which is weird. Joby did not get the citizenship, so he applied to Vanuatu, which does not have extradition. Okay. He also didn't get it there. Wow. But, uh, there's, there's stuff with Getch uh, in some of these <clears throat> private conversations, also bragging about his island and how he was going to set up his own country. This is something Joby was interested in, too. Um, it seems kind of incredible. I mean, who are these guys? They're yeah. you know, sort of 30-something multi-level marketing guys. But they, they have this image of themselves that Bitcoin is going to make them fabulously wealthy. And, and if not directly, then through preying on other people's uh, greed and, and basically telling them, hey, you know, you can, you can live like me. You can be a perpetual traveler. Yeah. Um, that was the fascinating thing about Joby is this is a guy that has never spent more than a week in one place in the last 12 years. He, he travels the world constantly. Uh, since he got married, he brings his wife and his baby with him everywhere. And he hits hundreds of countries uh, over the course of this travels. It's just nuts. He had his own website posting stuff all the time of him doing exotic stuff, climbing mountains on seven continents, you know, planting a flag, libertarian flag at the South Pole, you know, stuff like that. Wow. And, and so he said, don't you want to be like me? And yes. if you want to be like me, invest in this, and and people did it. Yes, and and I think a little bit of again, you consult, you can fault the investors to some degree because you can go back and say, well, a little bit of investigation, maybe you would find that Joby isn't quite what yeah. he says he is. Yeah. But uh, I think a lot of people were sort of uh, blinded by the uh, the pitch that he made. He's a very he's a very persuasive salesman. Yeah, and and for some people, it also could be that the investment was so small that it wasn't even worth their time to do the due diligence. You know, if you've got a, you know, you got some amount of money, and you're going to put 500 bucks in a thing on a flyer. You might not, right. e- it might not even be worth your time to take the hour or two to go dig into it. Heck, yeah, at this point, it might be a better the- story to say, Hey, I was, I was in this thing. Read this article by Alan Prendergast about this thing I was in. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it was very shrewd of them to make the threshold of investment so low. Yeah. Because you, you get more unsophisticated investors that way, and you get a lot of people who, you know, I mean, obviously it's not going to ruin their life if they lose 500 bucks. Right. Um, you know, so, so a lot of people bought into it uh, who, who probably thought, well, this sounds like fun or something, and, and weren't really all that concerned about what was going to happen to their money. Yeah, fantastic. Folks, I want to encourage you to get over to westward.com and read Alan Prendergast's article, The Rise and Fall of a Bitcoin Mining Scheme That Was, quote, Too Big to Fail. It did indeed fail. Alan, thanks for all the research you put into this and and writing a really fun article. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. It's been fun. Likewise. Have a wonderful weekend. All right. Take care, Russ. Very cool article. It'll be up on the blog in a little bit with this 
interview, but just just picture that. You know, this 38-year-old dude who stands up there in Aspen wearing shorts and a T-shirt and sandals and talking about how rich he is and how he travels all the time and how it's all due to this magic machine that prints money and you too can invest in it and you can be me. And post pictures of himself from all around the world, snowboarding in Chechnya, cruising around, going to Machu Picchu and the Cook Islands and all that, 100 cities a year or more. And you can see why it would be tempting to, you know, throw a little bit of money at that, at least. And, of course, Bitcoin was a huge Bad, you know, kind of like a blow up bubble in late 2017 where it got to almost $20,000. I think it's somewhere between eight and $9,000 today. Anyway, uh, you know, I think the point is be careful of very smooth salesmen who tell you that they've got something that can't fail or is too big to fail or is going to make you rich even if you put in just $1,000. It never works that way. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.